0: In the last four weeks of our church, we've been doing, uh, we've been in the middle of a message series. We teach in series uh, format, so we'll pick two or three uh, weeks and we'll kind of pick one topic. And I have ADD, so I kind of move on quickly to another topic. And so, But we've been talking about the series, we were in a series called Miracles, and we were looking at the life of Jesus and all the miracles that he did leading up to uh, the greatest miracle of all, which is obviously the resurrection of of himself. And um, and it's been interesting to look at the miracles of Jesus, because every miracle you see that Jesus does reminds us, gives us hope of what he could potentially do in our life. And um, because I'm the senior leader, it was supposed to stop last week, um, and because like you know, I can make that decision. I'm just gonna keep going one more week today. And we're gonna talk about one more miracle that Jesus did before he does maybe the greatest miracle in all of human history. And it's found in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up there. If not, we're going to put it up on the screens, but I highly encourage you to bring your Bible. You never know. Make sure you know I'm reading what's supposed to be in that Bible. You know, I could be making this stuff up. So make sure you you read your Bible. But John chapter 11 is where we're going to be. And uh, it says in John chapter 11, verse one, it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death, no, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Anybody ever felt like that? It's a unique situation where the Bible highlights Jesus loved him, but he, but he stayed, he he waited, he tarried, he, he, he kind of hung out for two days. In verse 7, it says, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. We'll jump to verse 11. He says, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now we'll go wake him up. And they were confused because they were like, well, he was sick. So are you saying that he's sleeping now? We're kind of confused. And Jesus saw that they, that, that he maybe meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping. And he said, but Jesus wasn't, meant that Lazarus had now died and then he says in verse 15, come, let's go see him. So recap for those of you who might have checked out and you're like, I don't know if I like the Bible, so I'll just wait until he gets past it. Here's what happened. Jesus has a friend named Lazarus. The Bible goes out of his way to say that he loved Lazarus. He knew Lazarus. He had a relationship with Lazarus. Lazarus was this boy. He knew they were, they, were they, 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 they had, they, he was on his favorites on his iPhone. Okay. They knew each other. And the sister sent word to Jesus that his friend who he loved was sick. Now, I determine friendship based on, like, like um, be there moments, like, be about it. Like if, I, if, like, if I need you, I need you to be there. If you're my friend, and I'm in trouble, and I call you, then you got to be, anybody else like that but me, right? Because if you're not there in the moment I need you, don't call me, right, after that moment when you you're you supposed to be there. And so Jesus is, has, a, has a moment to prove almost his friendship to Lazarus. It's funny, and he, you would think Jesus would do it, but he doesn't. Jesus waits, and he waits so long that his friend dies. His friend dies, and then all of a sudden, Jesus gets up and says, let's go see him. And what follows in the story is unique. It's three characters who have three responses to Jesus' moment when he wants to go do a miracle. So Jesus is like, all right, let's go do this miracle. Let's make it happen. I'm about to show you what's up. Three characters in response. You find it right after he says, come, let's go see him. Verse 16, you find the first character, his name was Thomas. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, this is what he said to him. He says, let's go to... And die with Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. Thomas didn't just say that to himself. He said that. He goes out, the Bible goes out of his way to say he sent it. He said it to people, to his friends, to the other disciples, to like the other people that they were doing life with. And he's like, well, Jesus is telling us to do something. This doesn't make any sense. Thomas is cynical. And I don't know if, ever, if you ever had this moment where you ask God for a miracle and then God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense. Thomas understood you. It makes you cynical because you're like, logically, this makes no sense. What Jesus was really asking to go back to Judea, which way they were there like previously before. And the last time that they were there, the people of the city tried to stone them. So like in the not the good way, the bad way with rocks, like they tried to kill them. Right. So like they try to hurt him and Jesus is saying, instead of you doing what you might want, we're going to go back and do something you, you don't quite expect. In fact, something you don't fully understand that doesn't seem logical, that doesn't seem like it makes sense. And what's interesting about Jesus, if you look at his whole life, he, he's kind of a, a, like a pro at that. That's kind of his M.O. He tends to look at what you ask him for and then tell you to do something that doesn't make sense. So I'll give you some examples. If you go back and read the teachings of Jesus, if you've never read it, it's, it's odd. Okay? This is confusing to me. And I'm a pastor. I've been teaching the Bible for over 20 years. It's confusing. So when Jesus says stuff like, uh, love your enemies, that makes no sense to me. I barely like my friends. But Jesus is asking me to love. Does that, make, does that confuse anyone else other than me? Hello. So it's like, that don't make no sense, Jesus. He says stuff like, um, to, to lose your life, then you'll gain it. That doesn't have, like logically on the surface, you're like, but Jesus, you're not hearing me. I need a miracle, and you're asking me to do something that makes no sense. He says stuff like, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Last time I checked, anybody else in here competitive like me? I'm a flag football coach recently for my kids flag football team and they make me make me hand out medals every week to somebody in the the team they make me do it like the director comes up to me and he says hey make sure you give a medal to the kid to one kid every week i said they ain't done nothing yet So I like to be, I'm a competitive. Anybody else a competitive person in here? You play to win the game. And Jesus says, well, the the first place people are the last place. In my kingdom, they're last. And then the last shall be first. That doesn't. Anybody ever had a financial? It's fun. Sometimes God says stuff in the Bible. He's like, okay, hey, you need a miracle in your money. You should give. And I'm like, wait a minute. If, I, if it leaves my hand, that's the opposite of what I'm asking you to do, God. Hello. So, 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 Thomas, to me here, that makes sense to me, Thomas. You're asking me to do something that you think could potentially hurt me. And God's trying to do a miracle, and it makes no sense how he's going about to do it. Or, okay, so maybe you're not Thomas, maybe you're the other character. Mary, uh, Mary, Mary is the, she's the next person to react right after in the story, if you read it in verse 17. And Mary is hopeless, so you might not be a cynic like Thomas. Maybe you're hopeless right now. You're waiting for a miracle. God has been, like you've been asking God for a miracle. You've been doing all the right things for a miracle. You've been setting up your life for a miracle. You're like, all right, we need a miracle. And, and it doesn't happen. You asked Jesus to come help you, and it didn't work out, and you're hopeless, you, you can relate to mary it says verse 17 when jesus arrived at bethany he was told that lazarus had already been in the grave for four days which means he's really dead that's just the Bible's trying to say like he wasn't sleeping it wasn't an accident he dead and verse 20 says when martha got word that jesus was coming she went to meet him but mary mary stayed put in the house, some of y'all are like, man, I wish I would have done that. Mary, I relate. I'm, I'm here at church right now. I'd rather be sleeping. Honestly, I'd be, be at the house. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all, amen, pastor, preach that part. I've noticed it's easy to stay home when things don't go your way. It's easy to stay home, check out, be done with God. Don't go to church. Don't read your Bible. Stop praying. Oh, it's easy for me to check out. Oh, it's easy for me to lose hope when things don't go. Isn't it easy to be hopeless when you did all the right things and all the wrong things happened? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I, I relate to Mary because I kind of pride myself in doing the right thing at the right time. And so to me, A plus B equals C. And I've noticed about life is it's not linear and it's not mathematical. Have you ever done something all the right way and the wrong thing happened? Hello. You ever, you ever been? When I was in school, I feel like I'm really smart. My grades never proved that. But I feel like I was really smart, and I would be the guy in school that would, like, study all night, get a D on the test. And then my friend, who, like, didn't do anything to study, come on, partied all night, showed up, took the test, got an A, and said, Look, man, I got an A. And I'm like, we're not friends anymore, right? Like... <laughs> We don't we don't connect. Apparently, you're Einstein. I, I, you know, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And it didn't make any I did everything right. You maybe maybe you showed up early. You stayed late at your job all the time, knew you were going to get the promotion. And then the cousin of the uncle of the son of the nephew's owner got the. Y'all see what I'm saying, right? Like, isn't it funny how life is not A plus B equals C? and when things don't work out your way and when you did all the right things and the wrong things happened man mary that makes total sense because with mary well you don't know what's not said in this particular gospel that's said in luke chapter 10 is that mary was really good at doing the right thing in fact the first time she met jesus was in luke chapter 10 you actually see jesus walking through a village which was mary and martha's house jesus chooses to stay with mary martha and lazarus and she's he's in there they're hanging out they're 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 you know doing what they're doing she's got the disciples up in there and mary and martha the bible says martha's running around doing all the busy work and mary is sitting at the feet of jesus trying to talk to him trying to learn from him saying this guy's here i mean if he's in my house there's more important things to do there's no more important thing to do than to sit at the feet of jesus and martha's over there doing the dishes she complains to jesus say hey, will you talk to my sister i'm over here working and she over there trying to have dinner with you Could you go tell her to do what's right? Jesus highlights it. He says it in verse 42 in Luke chapter 10. He says, but few things are needed. This is him talking, but are indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, or some translations, what is right. He says, Mary's doing the right thing. And then her brother dies. I I relate to Mary. I feel like I've done some right things. I did. I did it the right way, and this didn't add up. The right. Have you ever raised a kid? I sat as a pastor, Pastor Jason. You sat with families, where where. They're crying, because their kid is wild in the world, and I'm like, Pastor, we raised them right, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this, and the wrong thing happened, and they look up to heaven saying. I'd rather stay home. I'd rather stay home. God wants to do a miracle, but you have no hope right now. Or maybe you're the third kind of a person. Maybe my, maybe my favorite. Maybe you're Martha. Martha has an interesting moment with Jesus. Martha wasn't like Thomas, where he was, she was cynical and logical. and Like, you're trying to kill us, Jesus. Uh, she wasn't like Mary, where she just, you know, she took her ball and went home. She wasn't she like Mary. She, uh, she, had, she had a like, confrontation with Jesus. She's like, oh, no, I got something to say. You, you read it in verse 21. It says, Martha said to Jesus, this is interesting. I don't know if I would have the guts to say this to Jesus. Okay? So this is the Jesus. The, Jesus had already revealed himself. Jesus had already done miracles. Jesus had already been Jesus. He was the Jesus at the time. Okay? So he's Jesus. She said, I don't give a flip who you are. I got something to say. So she walks up to Jesus and said, Lord. This is how I imagine it, because I imagine things when I read the Bible. I imagine her pointing her finger at Jesus. Lord, if you just would have been here, my brother, who, by the way, is your friend, wouldn't have died. So, so Martha's not, frust- uh, not, not hopeless like Mary, and Martha's not... Cynical like Thomas, she's frustrated and angry with God. Have you ever been angry with God? Have you ever had an angry conversation with God recently? Like this morning on the way to church with your kids screaming in the car. I like I like Martha. She got a little bit of I'm gonna say I'm married to a Martha, y'all. She got something to say. I get this woman. She's my people. And uh, I find I have a lot of moments like this with God. I'm frustrated with God regularly. Can I be honest? As a pastor, I'm frustrated with God sometimes. Because, God, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. And We were supposed to be close. I was your, I'm your people. I work for you, God. Hello, I'm a pastor. Shouldn't you have answered my prayer? When my brother is dying, your friend is dying. And I could have forgiven you if you were busy. But the Bible says you didn't do it because you were You were waiting. And I'm confused. When I turned 23, I, I got married. I met my wife when I was 15. And she's took me eight years to figure out that I was dumb and she was smart. <laughs> and convince her to make the biggest mistake of her life (laughs) and uh marry me and right after we got married we had kids um and it's plural by the way two came out i don't know how it happened i didn't pray for it it was kind of a surprise and uh, i still remember that we had the uh, the sonogram was being done and and they're like the lady was like she said this she was so funny She goes, it wasn't funny at the time. I kind of was mad at her. But she said, uh, she goes, oh, I'm going to be here forever. Like, this is the lady that was like doing our first sonogram. I'm like, is this how it normally goes? Like, is this? And she goes, oh. I was like, why? I'm like, is something wrong? And she goes, well, no, there's, you know, there's two in there, right? And I was like, what? Check again, you know? Look again. You know, y'all guys, come on. Y'all, like, y'all feel me in that. So she's like, two of them. My wife's small, and so she's real little. And so they were like, hey, um, she might not be, because there's two of them, she might not be able to carry them full term. So you just need to be prepared. You know, they might come early, and that might come with some health complications. So I looked up to heaven. And I said, Lord, your friend who is sick needs your help. And then my, my boys were born six weeks, six and a half weeks premature. They're four pounds, six ounces, four pounds, eight ounces. And they had to go to this neonatal intensive care unit. They call it the NICU. And the first time I see my kids, I brought a a picture. First time I see my kids, they look like this. And, And when you see your child, for the first time, tubes... I remember the first time I held my son, he, I had to sit down. And the nurse, there were so many cords and wires attached to him. It took him so long to pull him out of the NICU that I was so afraid to, my wife, the first time she saw her, her babies was behind glass. I remember looking up to heaven and saying, If you would have been here, God, this wouldn't have happened. And I don't know if you guys have these moments where it's maybe, maybe it's just me, but, but like you could be frustrated and angry with God because he didn't show up. Have you ever prayed for God to heal you and it didn't happen? You prayed for healing for a friend or family member and it didn't happen. Has anybody ever, I'm talking about real life with God. As some of us in here sitting in these chairs right now, you don't even come to church and you don't believe in God because of these moments. Because you prayed and asked God to do something and you, were, you, thought, you, were, you thought we were close and he didn't do it and he didn't show up. Maybe you prayed for God to bring your child back to, to, from, from prodigal to back into the life of Jesus and he's still gone. In fact, it got worse. Maybe, maybe you asked God for a financial breakthrough. Maybe you gave and it got worse. You can relate to Martha. And so Martha is frustrated and God wants to do a miracle and we're frustrated with God. We're angry. If you ever showed up to church singing the songs, angry with God, that's how you know you're working working something out. <laughs> you sing singing stuff like, oh his, you know, oh, oh, his love's so free. And you're like, I don't feel any of this because honestly you didn't do what I asked you to do. And the story goes on to say Jesus' response. It's interesting. He says in verse 25, he says, he says to her, he says to them, I am the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That's a, like we're confused in that moment because even the Bible talks about Martha and Mary going, yeah, 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 we know one day we're going to be okay. And they missed it. And then some of the most confusing theological concepts happened in verse 33, 34, 35. If if you're new to Christianity or you're like trying to figure out this person called Jesus or God at all, you should go read this verse because it'll wreck you. In verse 33, it says, then when Jesus saw, he he confronts Mary and Martha outside the village before he goes in to see Lazarus. He saw their weeping and and he saw other people wailing with her and a deep anger welled up within him when he was deeply troubled because he asked him, where have you put him? So he wasn't angry that they were crying. He was, the Bible, the better translation is he was stirred up, ready to go do something. He went from waiting and tarrying to now I'm a man on a mission. Like, I'm going to go show you who I am. I'm going to go make a difference. I got something to go do. I got, I got something to go heal. I got someone to go raise up. I got a thing. I, I want to go show you. I'm going to prove to everybody. When I prove to everybody, you're going to think this is amazing. I'm going to do it so that you believe. I got something to do. And he sees out the corner of his eye. He sees somebody crying. And then in verse 35, it was confusing when I read it because it made no sense to me. The Bible literally says two of words. He's like, Jesus wept. And you got to ask yourself this question today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Weekend. Why would Jesus cry? Why would Jesus cry? You ever ask yourself that? why would he, why, would he cry? why why who the man who already prophesied what he was going to do earlier in the story he said he's not going to die this is going to work out he knew what was going to happen he knew the miracle that he could do he knew the power that he held he knew what he could happen he knew all these things like why would god who, who who leaves his 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 throne in heaven and come to earth and live with us and stay with us why would he cry why would he have a human emotion why would he sit there and 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 hug and weep with them why would he move from knowing all to feeling it and the only concept that I could come to grips with was Jesus had a moment to show us that he feels your pain I don't know about you but I need a Jesus that weeps I need a God who's not just focused on getting things done, but's focused on what my feelings are at the moment. Then when he sees me cry, when he sees you cry, when he sees your pain, when he sees your hurt, when he sees what's going on in your life, when you are are going through it and don't believe the lie that you are doing it all alone and no one sees you, then what what if Jesus sees you and Jesus proves to you that it isn't just about what he's doing, it's about who he's doing it for. And he stops, and he cries. I I was curious about that. I'm like, sometimes I cry, not because I feel the emotion. It's I cry because someone else is crying. Anybody ever do that? You ever cry? When you ever see somebody cry, you kind of start crying. Guys, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, some of y'all like, you know, I don't ever cry. You're, like, dead inside, but you, like, you know you but don't but you do cry when you see someone cry your wife be crying you know she's watch y'all you're watching the movie for her you know you you'd rather watch terminator but she's you got you watching the notebook and you're just over here and you're just like all right I don't want to I don't even care about this but she's crying somebody's crying on the platform, on the screen and you're just all of a sudden things are coming out of your eyes and you're like what is this I've never seen this before why is my my eyes are malfunctioning and and you start crying, why do we do that? Because what, what, it's the humanity in all of us. Jesus was revealing his humanity, 100% God, 100% man. He was revealing his humanity to know that there's nothing that you haven't gone through that he did not go through. The Bible says he was tested in all points, yet without sin. That you and I have a, a, a high priest in Hebrews. We, we, we for not have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. That there's nothing that you haven't gone through that Jesus didn't go through. Why did he go through it when he didn't have to? So that he knows what you feel. And Jesus cries. And then the good part comes. And I'm done. The good part. This is the good part. In verse 41, he says, so then they, he walks up to the grave and he says, move it. And Jesus looked up to heaven. And one of my favorite prayers, oh, I love this prayer. I, I say this prayer when I'm, I'm upset. I say this prayer when I'm Thomas cynical. Thomas, who's super logical about life in the Bible, and I'm like, I don't know if I believe in Jonah, and I, what about all the whale stuff? That's kind of odd to me about the creation. Hey, did he really part the Red Sea? Jesus, did you really walk on water? There's a lot of stuff you can debate in the Bible. It's kind of silly. But but at the end of the day, like this is the stuff that matters. This miracle matters. He says this. He's cynical and he's logical. It's when I'm, when I'm frustrated with God and when I'm hopeless with God. And God's trying to do a miracle and I'm all of those characters combined. I look up to heaven sometimes and I say this prayer because Jesus said this prayer so good. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. And he says, you always hear me. Jesus always hear you. Whenever you whisper something to him whenever you scream something at him whenever you think something he he hears you he hears you and he says i said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that you'll believe they're gonna believe they're gonna believe soon because what i'm about to do is is gonna change the world and i'm gonna show them on your behalf and verse 43 he shouted lazarus come out all right on count three we're all gonna scream come out one two three yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that. And you know why he said Lazarus? I always wondered. y'all know why he said Lazarus come out, not just come out. He said Lazarus come out. Well, cause if he wouldn't have pointed out one person, then they all would have came out have been like Michael Jackson thriller, people walking out just doing the dance. So he's like, No, no, do you one just that person right there with the wraps on it, the, the new dude that walked in the crypt, that guy. You had to be careful. You and Jesus, you gotta be careful. And the dead man came out. 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 And his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, where his face were wrapped in head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him, let him go. He's got stuff to do. Incredible miracle. Where Jesus shows us a resurrection before the resurrection. And I think that, and you, you, if you read this in historical context, you find that this is the last straw that ever. That for the pharisees that were trying to kill him they said we can't allow this guy to just keep doing what he's doing and this was the this was the key this was the moment where they said this is now he's got to die jesus knew that and and he said i gotta show you why did he bring lazarus back to life i gotta show you what i do the answer to the question why did jesus bring lazarus back to life is simply this It's found in John chapter 11, verse 25. See, you and I missed it, like they did. We thought Jesus was talking about resurrection, the event. But Jesus said the resurrection is not just an event. It's a person. He said, "He said, it's, it's a thing you don't, you don't understand. If it's just an event, then you and I missed it. There's nothing to celebrate, honestly. But since it's a person too, it changes the game. Because now the jesus who lives can live in us and every dying or dead thing in your life can now be resurrected back to life so some of you in here have a dead or dying dream you thought you were going to be something at this point you thought you had something going on you thought life was going to be a certain way and you think well it's dead or dying i gotta let it go you need to know Jesus likes to do miracles, and if you just let him into your life, that thing can be resurrected. Don't tell me it can't. Some of you are in a marriage right now where you're like, I'm here, to be quite honest with you, this is our last resort. I hear it all the time. Pastor, we came to church. We felt like this was the last resort before we moved on. This was our last stop before we talked to our attorneys. We just wanted to thank you for providing a place. That we can receive the resurrected king into our life that can bring dead things back to life. And I always smile and look up to heaven and say, God, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Because the resurrection wasn't just an event. It was a person. And anytime you introduce Jesus into a grave site, people start to live. Things get up out of their grave clothes. They start going and doing things. You might have some health that's dying or dead. You might have some finances are dying or dead. You could be in what they, what do they call a career where you feel like you ain't going anywhere. A dead end career. And Jesus can come in. Come on. This, this is your faith moment. This is the, what you were trying to get when you can Well, I hope I come to church and I hope that pastor says something halfway decent. This is your moment. Write this down if jesus is in my life nothing is really dead and his resurrection can be our resurrection i like what paul said in ephesians but because of his great love for us god who is rich in his mercy made us alive everybody say alive he made us alive in christ even when we were dead that's weird how are we gonna be dead and alive i like it because as we're frustrated with god's logic and we're 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 don't understand and we live in our hopelessness and when we get really angry with god god's still trying to do a miracle in your life it's funny how he didn't pay attention to any of them isn't that funny like they're all coming up confronting him pointing fingers and if you were just here god apparently you ain't his friend anymore and he's like I okay just roll the stone away so i can do what i can do and I, my prayer today is that maybe your faith is built for all the dead things in your life To be raised back to life we celebrate the resurrection not because it was just an event it's because it was a person and his name is jesus let's pray father i thank you god today i thank you that there's something powerful inside of us anytime we recognize that you have the power to bring dead things back to life and i know I have dead and dying things in my life but i'm sure these people have dead and dying things in their life there's something they're believing for there's a miracle that they're wanting and i pray god today today that you would show up like you did at Lazarus' tomb. That you you would point them out. And that you'd call those things to live. And so I just combine my faith with their faith, God. Whatever they're believing for. Whatever whatever miracle they're asking for, God. I pray. I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. You would step into that situation. And you would do it only you can.